Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Daniel. This is a podcast that discusses burnout, mental health, happiness, and ways to be more content in your life and career, and more. Today is an extra special episode, as Dan and I, the respective husbands of Sari and Sarah, are joining your hosts, ready to spill the beans about what it's really like to be married to an SLP. That's right, Alex. You may have already guessed this, but just in case... Alex and I are the other halves of the dynamic duo that is Sarah and Sari. Today we'll share a little bit about our personal background stories with our wives, talk about our perspectives, about our wives' chosen profession, and offer advice to other SLP significant others on ways to support SLPs through hard times. Hello listeners, Sari and I are here too, and we are both excited to bring you this episode that was a wonderful introduction, mm-hmm. and this is a step out of the norm for us, and it feels, it hits a little close to home, so how are you feeling, Sari? Truthfully, I feel a little nervous, because we told our husbands to be completely honest about their perspectives, and I think some truths may come out in today's interview uh, that I didn't know about from Dan. So it'll be good for me to learn and hear from both of their side of the story. How are you feeling, Sarah? Same. Terrified, but the show must go on. And uh, we're each going to get started by sharing our stories and how we met our husbands. So I'll share how I met Alex first. And Alex, feel free to jump in as I go. So we have been married for seven years and we knew each other for much longer. So we were a mixture of friends and enemies. So if you want to say so, we were frenemies. So I have a very close group of friends that gets together a few times a year for like at a huge retreat house or a camping excursion. And we all know each other really well. We've been friends for probably 13 years now. I actually think maybe 20 years now. Anyway, long, long time. Alex was in with that group, but I tried to avoid interacting with him at all costs. Um, He talked a lot and I felt overwhelmed at times in big social situations with all the friends. And that's when I saw him. So in those situations, I tend to be quiet and like slow conversation with lots of pauses. And Alex is interested in everything and loves learning. And he would talk my ear off and I found it really annoying. And he was always telling me what to do. And I found him really bossy. So um, yes, we knew each other for years and our friends encouraged both of us to have more patience with each other to try to get to know each other and they felt like we would really get along if we gave each other a chance and I was like no way not into that dude at all so then there was one year where we played capture the flag in the dark under the full moon we were on opposing teams and I actually think it was men versus women which is a horrible idea don't ever do it also never play flag football with friends. Um, It always ends up in arguments, and this is one of the epic ones, and it was between me and Alex. And we actually have a rule that we are not going to play flag football with the group anymore because there have been at least three huge fights that erupted across the years from this, and this was one of them. So I remember it being so cold, the game was going on forever, and I could hear someone coming to capture the flag, and I was guarding it, and so I purposely walked away. So he got the flag. The game was over. Presto, presto, and hooray. I was so happy about that. And I remember sleeping in the top of the barn that night with some friends in an area where we usually camp out together. And he was asking, why did you do that? That wasn't logical. That made it easy for me. I was able to win, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, holy moly, leave me alone. So I swore a lot more in those days than I did now. And I remember turning to him and saying, 
and I'm going to edit out all the obscenities. I let you bleeping win because I didn't bleeping care which bleeping team won the bleeping game. And it was going on forever in the bleeping cold, in the bleeping dark, there's a lot of bleeps, and the bleeping wet. And I was over it and I did it on bleeping purpose. And he didn't know what to say. And I think he was probably like, whoa. So, I mean, this isn't romantic at all, but over the years, um, and I'll have to tell the shorter version here, but we got to know each other better. Alex realized that I wasn't angry and aloof, and I was actually a caring person. <laughs> and I realized that Alex was helpful and interested and talkative. And I remember talking to him over the years about the people I dated when we were just friends and just the pattern of dudes who I'd hang out with and they would ghost me and should I call them? And he always had a lot of really good advice. And through that, I realized how romantic he was and what high standards he had for how people should treat one another in a relationship. And he certainly set the bar higher than anyone I had ever dated. So I thought he would make a great partner, but just to someone else and certainly not to me. And over the years, we kind of hung out more and more. And over winter break one year, we hung out and we went on a hike. And then we sat in downtown Portland outside at a food cart for dinner. And it was a Persian place. And I remember he gave me all his hummus. And to me, hummus is like pure gold. I love the stuff. And I called that the hummus moment from then on. And we still talk about the hummus moment. And I was like, oh, this guy is so self-sacrificial and kind. And it turned out he really just didn't like hummus. <laughs> so I was reading that all wrong. But he did teach me to drive a stick shift on the car that day, not a euphemism. And I had only known how to drive automatics. And we had fun with that too. So a week or so later... I had a really horrible work situation and parent email where my administrator wasn't supportive. There were a lot of verbal attacks and it was a horrible day. So we ended up hanging out after that day because he was available. And we ended up talking, joking around, having fun. There was gin and tonics and soup and we just talked and talked. And Overall, I never realized what a careful or empathetic listener he was, I think, until that night. Um, Alex is very attentive, compassionate, and nurturing, and it took me a long time to see that. So I remember we were sitting next to each other on the couch, and I was feeling the sparks fly. So yes, we both know the exact day we fell in love. And I remember wishing he'd just put his arm around me, and he never did, so I just grabbed his arm and I put it around me. <laughs> so later as we were talking, I asked him if I was keeping him up or he wanted to get home and get some sleep. And he said, I'm exactly where I want to be doing exactly what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I just want to sit here and talk with you all night. So we did. It's the night we fell in love. The most romantic thing anyone has ever said to me. And it was so loving, so vulnerable, and so honest. And to keep it real, we have been married seven years, and I am a fiery, sassy personality, and I can be argumentative, and, you know, he still talks a lot, and <laughs> we have conflicts and challenges, but we do love each other and appreciate each other a lot. I have always loved Alex and your story, Sarah. It's one of the most real and romantic stories I've heard, and it kind of has this pride and prejudice element to it where you two didn't like each other at first but then you gradually grew to adore each other the more you understood each other and it's it's just a beautiful story I love it <laughs> Alex did you want to add anything no she got it yeah <laughs> well so that's brings us to our turn Dan and uh, our we kind of had a shotgun romance uh, it wasn't the long friendship 
We met in 2010, both teaching for the Hess International Language School program in Taiwan. I had gone with two girlfriends from undergrad to teach English overseas in Taiwan. Dan had just gone for the experience on his own. And we were in the same training group together. And um, and this company places you all over the island. And it's hard for people who come in twos to get together in the same area, much less three. And so we were really hoping that me and my two other friends would be placed together. And um, I think there was about maybe 70 teachers in our whole training group getting placed throughout Taiwan. And when we got our sites, lo and behold, me and all three of these girls were placed in this city called Banqiao. And there was one other person placed in the same city. And that was Dan, who by that point I'd already kind of developed a crush on. <laughs> because we had met the very first day of training in a hospital. Um, you have to do like a physical check when you first get in. They kind of herd you through all these stations like sheep uh, getting your eyes checked, getting your ears checked, having your weight checked, and getting blood drawn, which is something that I was really anxious about. In fact, I'd taken an anxiety pill earlier that day because I would have strong reactions with needles and would cry. <laughs> and I actually had uh, doctors tell me that my anxiety was causing my veins to quote-unquote hide. <laughs> And <laughs> it's like my body itself was uh, rejecting the whole idea of getting blood drawn. And then, you know, when, you're, when your veins are hiding, they have to try multiple times to try and find it, which just makes it worse. Um, long story short, Dan was in line with me and picked up that I was nervous. And he kind of took on this role of distractor the whole time. And he chatted with me the, through the whole sheep herding through the hospital and realized that I was nervous about the blood draw and offered to go with me and stay and distract me. Which at the time, I refused because I knew I'd be a horrible blubbering mess and I did not want this very sweet guy <laughs> to have that be his first impression of me. I think I was a head case from the get-go. Um, but I do remember thinking that was very kind and thoughtful and um, it left a good impression of him and I, I liked him pretty quick after that. So throughout the training... Then getting placed in Van Chow together, we just started spending a lot of time together, started dating pretty quick. And to sum up quickly, we were engaged within six months. Is that right? Six months and then married yeah. a year later. And we've now been married. This will be, we will have met 10 years ago, 2020. And we've been married for nine. Yep. So shotgun romance, but I guess when you know, you know. Okay. That is so great. I, know, I I had heard the short version, but I had never heard the long version of that story. So I'm really glad that this episode gave us both a chance to tell the longer version of mm -hmm. our stories. So now I believe we have some questions for our husbands. We do. And the first question is for both of you, actually. What three words would you use to describe what it's like to be married to an SLP? Who wants to go first? Start. <laughs> she works hard. Okay, hard worker. <laughs> she works hard. Okay. She works hard. Oh, three words. Yeah. All right. She said it. three words. Yeah, you got <laughs> it. You got All right, it. Dan. Uh, Can't steal Alex's. 
<laughs> she works hard too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan is one up Dell. One extra room. Uh, dedicated. Okay. Passionate. Okay. And caring. Oh, yeah. All right. I know those are cliche words, but those are oh, all true. That's true. I think of all SLPs. And from both of your perspectives, what does a speech language pathologist do for their job? They help people communicate all the different ways that that might be. And I think a lot of people uh, imagine it just being about articulation or uh, some of the more obvious like speech impediments or stuttering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, and especially, you know, with little kids. And of course there's a lot of that going on, but SLPs do so much work in so many different areas in uh, hospitals and working with stroke patients that are older or working with uh, all kinds of different disabilities that I think people might not realize or understand that that's all part of communication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you pretty well, you hit the nail on the head (laughs) with that. Do you have anything to add, Dan? Uh, Man, I think you covered it. Yeah, you did. The word that came to mind was communication and working on and improving the uh, communication um, that your clients have with others. Yep. So, And I know you work with uh, K-12 kids, so you're working with the younger population mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in those communication skills. So, mm-hmm. And next, what is the most challenging part about being married to an SLP? Well... Sure, all right. It's fine. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I'd, I'd say over the last few years, sometimes Sari will bring back some of her work with her. Uh, mm-hmm. As what I mean by that is, you know, she'll bring back these stories that um, that I um, I get to hear. Mm-hmm. Of course, she's you know she's abiding by all the rules and everything, but. <laughs> Um, I'll get to hear some cases and, um, and they're, they're not always pleasant. So, um, and sometimes I just, I, I feel for her, um, and I try to put myself in her shoes and, and be empathetic and supportive in that way. So that could be challenging to hear those stories sometimes. And, you know, these are real life stories. So. And if you're listening and you want more on that, uh, definitely look up vicarious trauma. We get Mm -hmm. a lot of trauma stories with the students, clients, children, adults we work with, and that can be really emotional for us and um, hearing those and dealing with those. Mm -hmm. So Alex, what's the most challenging part of being married to me as an SLP, not as a person that would be longer? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, specifically regarding your work, I would say it takes so much out. It takes so much out of you to pour all your emotions and your energy into these people and to be present and really like caring for these people all day long. So you get home and you're just exhausted. And Mm -hmm. for me, I tend to get up late. I hit my energy in the afternoon and evening. So right about the time when you come home, that's when I'm like ready to go and I'm feeling good and I want to talk about this and you're just over it (laughs) you just need to like hide in a corner for a while and recover and it's kind of extended to the weekends also where you know especially after a really hard day uh for a travel week or something that you know you need a whole day or a whole weekend just to like kind of hide in a hole and rest and relax and recover so that you can go back 
and I'm like, hey, this is that weekend. We were going to do that thing. Let's go. It's going to be great. And I kind of feel let down sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it can be emotionally draining to be an SLP, but it can also just be kind of like energetically and physically draining as mm-hmm. well. Do you find that, Sari? Yeah, this, like both of their comments made me think about compassion fatigue and how mm-hmm. we, do, we absolutely get affected by things that our clients are going through and probably bring that home yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day. You have a hard time separating. So um, 100% agree with you guys. I think you're spot on. So on the flip side, what is the best part about being married to an SLP? <laughs> All the fun facts you know about <laughs> swallowing. <laughs> ACC, is that it? Or AAC. AAC. <laughs> um, well, I, for me, I think that's pretty easy. Like, I, um, on the flip side of that is uh, you, I get to hear, like, when your kids are succeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, they're growing and they're having breakthroughs in their um, uh, work with you and and that's very satisfying as your significant other to hear. And, um, and so I, I know you're, you're really good at what you do, but to hear stories, success stories like that is just further verification of that. So <laughs> makes me happy when I hear that. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think I would say for me, it's um, this might be the case for anybody who's like a hardworking career person who can earn all the money, but that's our setup. And, uh, so I, I do earn a little money, but it's like a pretty small part of our overall budget. Um, I get to do all the, uh, homemaking. I get mm-hmm. to, uh, have a really flexible schedule and, you know, we set that up from the beginning. We knew that this was going to be the case. I'm kind of a jack of all trades and she's just like, you know, very, hardworking on this one particular career. So uh, it makes a lot of sense for us. It, it works for our, our lifestyle. And uh, it means that I get to to do my best work in supporting, best work in like creating a really good atmosphere at, at home. Um, and she gets to do her best work, you know, outside the home. Yeah, which we both enjoy too. Okay, so wait, so then what's the best part? The best part is that we have our our balance. Oh, okay. That's uh, how would I get that with somebody else who, you know, being a man, you typically are the one who makes all the money, and you marry somebody who. This is not so much true anymore, but um, it's still kind of the case that it's expected that mm-hmm. you know the man earns most of the money and the woman earns less or none at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas for us, we get to flip that. And so you get to do the job that is, you know, the best for you that you're like super interested in. I get to do the job that's great for me that I'm super interested in. You get to have a lot of uh, structure and schedule and everything's happening right on time. I get Mm -hmm. to have a whole bunch of time flexibility. So that works out really well for both of us. So the best part of being married to an SLP is just that we can both bring our, you know, very different strengths into the relationship and support each other yes that way okay yes and just to add yes i am the red winner for our family yes we do get lots of like kind of rude and inappropriate questions about it it seems like it's the most natural thing in the world for us and our personalities but i think it's really hard for people to understand sometimes so that's just a little aside so i have another question uh specifically for you alex sarah is very independent and always looking towards the future 
And for, you know, for example, she started her own private practice in addition to doing teletherapy. She's a blogger, a podcaster, and always seems to be brimming with new ideas for other projects and things that she'd like to try. What is this experience like for you at home? And what role do you take on to support Sarah with her ideas and endeavors? I guess, I mean, what it's like for me, sometimes I feel like I'm just kind of running around trying to catch up. <laughs> um, what, whatever new idea she's got, I'm like, well, slow down, babe. You just had this other idea last week. You Are you walking away from that? What are you doing? Um, I don't know, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I often feel like I'm, uh, kind of in the background doing all the cleanup or setup or support work and, uh, that she's kind of out there doing the thing and making stuff happen and, uh, you know, staying on top of whatever it is, uh, where I'm just like, yeah, trying to pave the road in front or trying to pick up the pieces afterwards, um, well, I, that's part of why you guys are a good balance, yes. too. I, I, and it goes back to what you said about why this, what the best thing about this career is. In, in, professionally, it's a balance for you guys and your lifestyle. But then also, personality-wise, it sounds like you, you've got... You guys are just a balanced match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's an unusually good balance. Um, I, I would say also that, uh, I mean, in addition to, like... You know, for instance, she comes home from work and I try to have some dinner ready and it's, I try to make it good food. Um, I try to... It know, is good food. Legitimately. <laughs> to the world. Uh, need your recipes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just kind of a lot of that, like, uh, and she said uh, this phrase that she has a soft place to land, mm -hmm. um, that she never had that earlier. And mm -hmm. so having that kind of soft place to land and having all that like support, I think it means that she can, you know, go out and do all this stuff. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. If she had to do all of the home things, if she had to, you know, fix stuff when it broke and fix all her own food, she wouldn't have the, the time and energy to like sit there and think up all these cool new ideas for making a podcast, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, and I would say also, um, I try to be a good listener, and I all the new ideas that she has. Um, often, I'm just I feel like I'm just shooting down the ideas, or like bringing a big dose of reality to this like dreamer kind of pie in the sky idea that she's got. Um, but I try to make it I don't know to be as supportive as I can while also pointing out like, oh, that would cost you know ten times as much money as we have. So how's that going to work? Well, I don't know, or. You know, I'm, I try not to be a downer, but definitely to just be a good listener and to be like to, to bounce all her ideas off of and to, to get some perspective. I'll add on to that. Yeah, because before so I, you know, when Alex and I got married, I had already been an SLP and I would just like work, 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 come home, make dinner, pack or no, go to the gym, come home, make dinner pack my breakfast and lunch for the next day and then just fall down asleep exhausted. So the fact that I have delicious food, that I have fun times, and that I have a soft place to land has been a really big deal for me. So. Mm. All right, and this next question is for Dan, and I think it will be specifically <clears throat> interesting for our early career professional listeners or those who are considering grad school or in grad school. So you and Sari were newly married when she started graduate school to become an SLP, and I know that she worked full-time 
while going to school. And I can imagine that that was a really hectic time. Can you describe that experience and what it was like for you and your relationship? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, you're right. It was hectic. Uh, definitely for Sari. Um, she's, she was working full time and taking all these, uh, hybrid classes for her, um, graduate program. Um, so a little bit like what Alex said, um, just being there to support, um, her outwardly. Uh, so, you know, there were a lot of nights where I would, um, have, you know, I'd make dinner, I'd have dinner ready. Uh, I'd make our lunches. You know, if she was at the office late, I'd bring, bring dinner. So things like that. I would, uh, be her study partner. Yeah, we did a lot of studying together. Uh, <laughs> I quizzed her a lot. Uh, it was actually, it was real beneficial to me too because I learned a lot. <laughs> you could probably have taken several of those tests and done yeah, just fine. Uh, it was very uh, eye-opening. Um, yeah, especially uh, on the speech side and the communication side. Um, and a little bit like Alex said too, uh, listening. Um, just being there to listen to your wife. Um, <laughs> being a sounding board, just, yeah, just listening and, and not necessarily having the answers to everything. But, uh, I think when I was there just to listen, you know, she definitely felt calmer. It was kind of a stress, stress reliever for her. So yeah, those are, those are some of the ways that, uh, that I contributed and helped out and that was kind of our experience mm -hmm. when she was going through grad school and working full time. I have to say Dan was very understanding and flexible because you lose so much free time. Mm -hmm. You're not able to do things in the evenings and the weekends that with your husband or, you know, if you're in grad school with, with anybody that you're dating early uh, during, during that time. And Dan was really understanding and really flexible, which helped a lot. And so if you're someone that's going through that, just, just give them patience, give them time. This is just a short period and they got to get through it. It is, it is hard. Their free time is gone. They have to prioritize school at this time. But, uh, if you give them patience, they'll get through it and it'll all be great. <laughs> it's a season. And then Dan, how is it different with Sari's first year working in your relationship and your support? And school's over, correct? Uh, yeah. First, first year, year working. Yeah. Uh, again, I think, um, it was, uh, there were hectic times because it's, um, as you know, I mean, the first year working at any profession, there, there's, there's quite a learning curve and I, I feel like she, uh, she experienced all the, the little bumps and, and barriers that come with uh, a first year learning curve. So I did, again, just a lot of listening <laughs> and sympathizing and empathizing. And, uh, again, I, you know, I didn't always have the, the right answers. And I don't know if, uh, what I told her was, uh, were the right answers, but just being there, uh, listening to her problems, her hardships, uh, stuff that's going on at work, you know, and understanding and empathizing with her. Um, yeah, and I think that's all I needed, and I think that's all a lot of SLPs mm -hmm. need is someone to listen and 
just just be there because yeah. a lot of times there's not an answer or solution yeah. that yeah. you guys it's just can emotions. do. And we yeah. just need a sounding board. We need that soft place to fall. So you guys yeah. do good. And I, you know, there's a lot of reassurance too. I'm, you know, yes. I'd be like, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to mm-hmm. be okay. <laughs> I think we laughing. all know that. That it does eventually turn out to be yeah, okay. Yeah, now we still need to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to yeah. add in an unscripted question. Okay. <laughs> um, so... I'm hearing from our partners, you know, like how, how can we get support? Well, we can get reassurance, we can get listening and we can get logistical support, which Mm -hmm. I think is 100% true and on target. And so I'm glad we're talking about this. So here's my question. What do you want SLPs to know? Or what do you want us to know about how we can support you Mm -hmm. as you listen and support us? Alex, I know you have something to say about this. (laughs) We talk about this, y'all. How can I support you? I I think I would say that it's um, maybe if you can compartmentalize a little better, like when you you leave work, uh, and and I've said this, can you just please clock out sometimes? (laughs) Um, No, I can't, but I'm working on it. I agree, Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's definitely a time and a place when I want to hear about what's going on at work and I want Mm -hmm. to be involved and and part of it, but I also want it to to not take up the whole relationship, to not take up your whole life and Mm -hmm. to not spill out into my whole life Mm -hmm. and for for that to have its place and to be addressed and to, to have what it needs and then to say, okay, that's nice, click. Let's go, you Into know, focus on each other and let, you know, let's, yeah, talk about what's going on at the, at the house and all the stuff that I'm working on and the stuff that I'm caring about. Um, if I, you know, heard about something or I'm thinking about something, then I also need somebody to mm-hmm. listen and to be a sounding board uh, and to, to be present and to pay attention. Um, mm-hmm. And I would even say sometimes it has felt like you take all your best, you know, your listening and your attention and your, your people energy, your emotional skills, and you pour it all out at work. And mm-hmm. then when you get home, then there's hardly any left. Mm-hmm. And I don't always need that. But sometimes I'm like, I need you to listen to me. I need <laughs> you to pay attention. This, mm-hmm. I care about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're my partner and, you know, you need to, to kind of step up and, uh, you know, be, be part of my game sometimes. Um, yeah. And it's probably not really mentally healthy what I do, right. Which is like give a hundred percent to work and then come home exhausted. So, and that's something that I'm working on is like, how do I turn off the work mode? So that's what I'm working on because I think I would be happier and healthier mm -hmm. if I could do that. So it's a work in progress. I would say that over the seven years that we've been married, that, uh, it's been nearly continual kind of progress in that direction that you mm-hmm. you've been getting a lot better about switching off the work mode and mm-hmm. uh when I try to get you out of the house for a walk that mm-hmm. you don't fight back as hard anymore mm-hmm. um just a lot of ways in in which there's been a very slow but kind of gradual change that continually uh you're a lot better now at leaving work and paying attention to it when it needs it and then just switching gears to something else And thank you for sharing all your honest thoughts and advice with our listeners. That concludes this episode of SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed this extra special and extra raw and extra honest husband (laughs) interview show. If you like the show, you can support us by subscribing. Please subscribe to this podcast so you know when new episodes come out. 
It helps us keep bringing episodes to you, and it means you'll know when new episodes are released. And if you found this episode helpful, please share it with an SLP friend or your significant other who may benefit from our conversation today. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on Instagram as slphappyhour. We hope you enjoyed the show and that this was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you for listening. Until next time. That's right, Alex. <laughs> we always do this. <laughs> we always do I this. I had it. I was holding on. <laughs> but then I heard a little chuckle. I, this is awesome. I thought I had it. Sorry.